welcome. This is a message from Victory Church. We trust you'll be inspired and encouraged by today's message. Well, uh, it is a privilege to have you with us. And in just a little while, we are going to witness family and friends going through the waters of baptism. But I thought it would only be fair and right for me to share a quick word with you this morning. And uh, what, uh, this, what is it? This afternoon? Tonight? This evening? That's what I'm trying to say. A little bit tired anyway. And uh, it's something that I've called Discovering Your Shape. And the reason I thought I would um, share this message is because I've just finished watching the latest series of The Biggest Loser. Did anybody get involved in The Biggest Loser this time around? Basically, you get a whole heap of people that are a little bit oversized, to say the least, and they go on uh, national television and um, just put, uh, put through a, a, a grueling process of uh, eating the right foods and doing a whole stack of exercise, having personal trainers that work them very, very hard, and eventually they lose weight, people get voted off, and at the end, there is a grand finale, and you have the ultimate winner. And uh, there's much celebrating about the weight that was lost and the shape that was gained. And I thought, you know, that show, whether you watch it or not, there is today a big emphasis on getting into shape. And personally, I don't think that's altogether a bad thing. I'm all for being fit and healthy Because if you are fit and healthy, you're going to have more energy and you'll have a better attitude, etc. However, having said that, we don't want to be disillusional and uh, approach the whole thing incorrectly about getting into shape. You see, you might decide to get on the exercise um, bandwagon and begin to go to the gym and you might even decide to eat some of the best foods around, but that doesn't necessarily mean that all the men in this place will end up looking like Arnold Schwarzenegger and it doesn't mean that the women here will end up like a supermodel, okay? And the reason I say that is because whether you like it or not, every one of us is born with a certain shape. Turn to the person next to you and say, you were born with a certain shape. (laughs) And if you go on to the uh, internet, uh, you'll find out they're all different shapes and sizes and um, in particular for the women, they use fruit to describe certain shapes. And uh, I, I was quite amazed and had a bit of a laugh and I don't have time to go into all the shapes, but apparently there, for some women are the banana shaped women that are just tall and skinny, okay, like most of the supermodels. And then you've got the ones that are a little bit more on the round side, the, the apple shape ladies. <laughs> Um, if, someone, if someone's been teasing you that you're a little bit round, just remind them to back off and say, I am in shape. Round is a shape, okay? You need to remind people about that. And then there's also the pear shape, okay? Small up top, big down bottom, and all the rest of it. So and I, there's, a whole, there's the hourglass shape, there's the V shape, okay? Any V-shaped men out there? 
Big shoulders, narrow waist, any one of those out there? No. <laughs> Never mind. Any, anyways, anyways, um, here's the point. No matter how much you train and exercise, if you are a pear-shaped person, no matter how much you train and exercise, you will always have the same shape. Granted, you might lose some size and be a smaller pair. <laughs> so, so that's got to be worth something, don't you think? You know, so don't give up. Don't think, well, I'm always going to be a pair. So you might as well be a small pair. Are you but you, you, essentially, they tell us, and it makes sense, that you can't change your shape. That being true, I want you to know that your shape, your physical appearance, your outer shape, how you look, it goes beyond that. Your shape is not just outward. You also have an inner shape. And this explains the way we think. It explains what we like. It explains what we're good at and what we are not good at. And I like to call this inner shape a God shape. You see, all of us have been created a certain way by a certain someone to do a certain something. You see, I believe that we were created on purpose. In other words, you are not an accident. Maybe you were told by your parents that you weren't planned and that you was an accident child. That is not true when it comes to God. God knows you. You were created on purpose. In Psalm 139, verse 13, it says, For you created my inmost beings. This is David talking about the incredible uh, God that he knew. You created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's wombs. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place. When I was woven together in the depths of the earth, your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. Here's David, a man that had an understanding of this incredible creator God. And he goes on to say some incredible things, which I'll be honest with you, are hard to fathom. They are hard to grasp. They are hard to understand. And some people think it's so hard and bizarre to understand. They think that if you're a Christian, you've kissed your brains goodbye. And that's fine. That's your prerogative and you're entitled to your opinion. But here's my question. What else is there to believe? Basically, you only have two options and that is that there is a creator, a supreme being that we will call God who created the world in six days. Or on the other hand, you have the theory of evolution. On one hand, a creator created the earth and the world in seven day, uh, six days and rested on the seventh. On the other hand, evolution. And evolution tells us that there was nothing and it exploded. You've got to think about that. Creation, there is a supreme being called God, and he spoke and it came into being. Hard to believe, granted. Evolution, there was nothing that exploded and became something. 
See, contrary to popular belief, it's not a debate between science versus religion. They both require faith. Both views, both theories, both religions require a measure of faith. The question is, which one is more probable? You know, even those outside of church, even those that don't profess to be Christians, are leaning toward intelligent design over and above evolution. The more we are discovering about the complexity of our universe at every level, the more people are adopting the idea of an intelligent design over evolution. And may I remind you, the the missing link between apes and man is still missing. You got it? We call it the missing link because we can't find the link. And we've built a whole theory called science around something that has yet to be proven. So think about that for a moment. Not only were we created for purpose, or, uh, for, on purpose, sorry, we were created for purpose. In Proverbs 22, verse 6, it says this, Train a child in the way that he should go, and when he is old, he will not turn from it. The message says it this way, Point your kids in the right direction, and when they're old, they won't get lost. This is my paraphrased version of those two verses. That we should train a child... According to his or her inner shape. You see, this portion of scripture that I've just read is talking about and referring to an archer or a hunter who would go and look for the perfect branch with the perfect bend or the perfect lean and cut it down to make the perfect weapon. The perfect bow. He wouldn't go for the straight one. He'd go for the one that was just slightly bent. And when he found the right branch, he'd cut it down and make the perfect bow. And what that says to us is this. That every one of us in this room tonight has a natural leaning. We are all bent a certain way. Every one of us in this room has a natural bent, a natural leaning. And I believe one of the greatest roles of parents is not to straighten your kids out. I don't know if you've ever said that to your kids. I'm I'm here to straighten you out, boy. That's not necessarily our role, not according to Scripture. The role of the parent is to recognize the bend in their kids and encourage them in that direction. Point them in the way that they should go. Not according to what you have for your kids, but according to the way God has made them. And if we will observe our kids correctly, that will become more apparent. I remember as a young parent thinking, how do you know what your kids are good at and where they should go in life? But it does become more and more apparent. What we don't want to be doing as parents is recognizing a certain leaning, a certain gifting, a certain bend, and then try to straighten them out and get them to do what you want them to do. 
I wonder how many lawyers today are doing their job because mum and dad made them do law and they don't want to do law at all. They actually want to do craft and they want to be the artist and they want to do dancing and they want to become a ballerina and they want to do a whole heap of other things because that's their natural leaning. But mum and dad got in there and straightened them out. And for the rest of their lives, they go around feeling like they don't fit in. You weren't meant to go around life thinking and feeling like you don't fit in. That you're not meant to be doing what you've been forced to do. Finding your God shape is so important. It's important for you and it's important for your kids. And when and only when you find your God shape will you find true purpose and true joy. And so in the short time I have with you tonight, I want to look at finding our God shape, because it depends on a few things. Three, to be precise. And hopefully this will help us in a journey and point us in the right direction as individuals and also as parents raising kids. Would you like to know what they are? It's real simple. This is, this is so simple. I thought tonight we're going to have a whole heap of visitors, a whole heap of guests amongst us for the first time, and I want to keep it as simple as possible. And I want every one of us to go away with something from tonight. And so when it comes to discovering our shape for our lives and for our kids, what we've got to do is going to depend on a few things. And the first one is this. It depends on what you like. You know, so many Christians have a warped perception of what God is and who God is and how he operates. Many Christians think that God wants you to do what you hate doing so that you're miserable for the rest of your life. And I think there's a lot of Christians doing a great job of that. There's a lot of miserable Christians out there quite possibly doing what they hate doing. That does not sound like a loving God to me. So if that is your notion, if you've grown up in church and uh, your notion is that I've got to find out what I hate doing and do that to the glory of God as part of my sacrifice to Him. That's not the definition of sacrifice to me. That's the definition of insanity. That we would go around for the rest of our lives doing something we don't enjoy doing. So my question to you is this. What do you like doing? And some of you may need to think back to your childhood. Because sometimes as we get older, we just get so busy doing and we get mortgages and we get responsibilities that we don't have time to think about what we enjoy anymore. We just have to pay the bills. And so we can't possibly think about getting another job because we've just got to get on with all the responsibility. But just think for a moment, what do you enjoy doing? Think back to when you were a kid. What did you like doing as a kid? Some of you may liked playing puzzles. Some of you might have been great with numbers. And some of you ones may have even been good at maths. We can pray for you and deliver you from that later. <laughs> but not everyone. Not everyone liked maths at school. Not everyone was good with numbers. Not everyone enjoyed doing puzzles. Pete used to love doing puzzles. I was nothing boring, a jigsaw puzzle. I mean, what a waste of time. But some people love it because of the way they're bent. My brother's bent out of shape, I'm telling you. He's just a weird boy. But it's right for him. 
Think about what you like, what do you like doing? What did you like doing as a kid? Maybe as that kid that just drew all the time or colored in all the time. That was me. I used to just draw and color in, and, and you know, it, 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 it kind of suited the, the first job I ever had, which was a sign writer, and I got involved in art, and any opportunity I had to do paintings, or do pictures, or murals, or sculptures, or all those sorts of things, and it just was kind of like a hand in glove. And there was some job satisfaction as a result, because I ended up doing what I enjoyed doing. So question, what do you enjoy doing? Some of you just love playing sport, and maybe I'm looking at some professional footballers amongst us. Probably not, but maybe. (laughs) What we've tried to do, based upon some good advice, in order to help raise our kids, and so I'm speaking to the parents right now, is to let your kids do a variety of things when they are young. Let them do a variety of things that stimulate them spiritually, Mentally, culturally, physically. And so we, we've got our kids to play music and to do some sport and uh, to, to, to read and stimulate themselves mentally and creatively and imagination and overlay and uh, just get them experience. And now they're not going to be good at everything that we get them to do, but we're going to help find their natural leanings. As opposed to saying, You're not going to do ballet, you're a boy. Boys don't do ballet. Well, some do. And so we need to be secure as parents and find out what they enjoy doing. Even at an early age, we're going to see the natural leanings in our kids' life. I think about Geordie. She's 13, almost 14, and, and she's always had a bent toward creativity, which probably says to me she's not going to be a rocket scientist. And I wouldn't put that pressure on her. But she's incredibly creative. And I don't know what her future looks like exactly. But I know she loves cooking. And I know she she loves playing with her hair. And and so when I think about creativity and cooking, and when I think about creativity and hairdressing, or creativity and and being a beauty therapist, there's, there's a whole wide range. I think somewhere fits within her fit. So it'd be pointless me making her do law. Because she'll earn more money and be able to look after me when I'm older. Is this helpful? So what do you enjoy doing? Homework. Think about back to when you were a kid. What do you enjoy doing? Secondly, what are you good at? See, it's not enough to just like something. When you like something but you're not good at it, you get Australian Idol. (laughs) You get people who go on national television thinking that they can sing when they can't because they love doing it. And they didn't have someone to love them enough to say, honey, I, I, I know you love it, but I don't love listening to you. And so it's not enough to know what you like. You've also not got to know what you are good at. And so you need to make sure that you've got the right people in your world to bring what's in you out. The last thing you need is just a mum patting you on the back saying, oh, Johnny's so good. I don't know if you've ever watched Australian Idol or X Factor or Australia's Got Talent. 
But the biggest problem are not the kids that get up there and try to sing. It's the mums who seem to be more upset when little Johnny or little Susie get booed and laughed at. You don't understand. They are fantastic. Mum can seem to see something about little Johnny that the whole of Australia can't. So question number one, what do you like? We're talking about finding your shape. What do you like doing? Secondly, what are you good at? What comes natural to you? And the third thing is simply this. It depends on what you develop. See, finding your God shape doesn't mean that God will do it all. Well, if God wants me to be blah, 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 then he'll do it. Yeah, he'll put the DNA, he'll put the leaning, he'll put the bent, he'll put the natural ability in you. But it's for us to work that natural ability. My son, Mitchie, he's 12 years of age. And um, he likes doing a number of things. One of them's playing guitar. He enjoys playing guitar. He was playing up here with some of his mates on stage not too long ago. He loves playing the guitar. Inside of him is a, a natural ability to be able to play guitar. But his like, his desire, and that natural ability alone did not get him up here on stage. He has had to develop that natural ability and that natural gift. And he's had to have people like Benno speaking into his life and say, Mitchie, have you been playing guitar this week? Yes, Benno. And he starts playing and says, no, you haven't. That sounds like you've got to practice at home and you've got to develop your gift. Many people never experience job satisfaction because they don't find what they enjoy doing. They don't know what they're good at. And even if they enjoy what they're doing and they know what they're good at, they never put the hard yards in to develop themselves well enough to make a living out of that. You know, I love doing what I'm doing right now. I left school at the age of 15, did my apprenticeship as a sign writer, and I loved it. And uh, I enjoyed the creative aspect of that job. But what I didn't know about that is that it was teaching me other skills and I was developing other skill sets and other um, God elements in me while I was doing what I enjoyed doing. Because while I was on the job, I had to deal with customers. And I had to get money off customers and I had to quote jobs and I learned the gift of leadership. And so I found out that I had this natural ability to lead people, but I had to develop it. And so what I'm doing now has come as a result of something I love doing, something that there was a natural ability, but something I've had to develop and work really, really hard at. And there's been many elements and many aspects and many moments in my leadership where I've hit the wall and come to an end in myself and had to reinvent myself. And so as the church grew, I had to reinvent my gift and develop my gift and self-lead through the stages to go to the next level. And so I want to encourage you, in finding your God shape, what do you enjoy doing? What are you good at? How about this? Go to the person that you trust the most 
And by trust, I don't mean love you the most. I mean trust the most to give you the truth. And say, what do you think I'm good at? And when you work out what you're good at, and that's in line with what you enjoy doing, work really hard and get really good at it. Someone once said that you should find what you love to do and do it so well that someone will pay you to do it. I've been employed and in the workforce for about 28 years and I've only ever known job satisfaction. We have tough days, of course. There are some days that are tougher than others. That's part of life. But I can honestly say I enjoy my working life. And it started with looking inside first and finding out how I've been made, what's my natural bent, what's my natural leaning, and surrendering to that. As opposed to being a victim and going through life for some 60, 70, 80, 90, 100 years and never come into line with the purpose that I was placed here. Every one of us in this room has been created on purpose. You are not an accident. And you've been created for purpose. Paul says that this is the God who saved me and called me. And I believe every person in this room has been created in the image of God and has been designed by God for a certain purpose. And it's my desire and my prayer for every one of you to have a revelation and an understanding of who this creator is and that you might meet him and come into line with your purpose, that you may find your God shape, whether that's the pear, whether that's the apple, that's irrelevant. It's who God has called you to be. And if we can surrender to that, we'll find true joy and true purpose. As our musicians come to the stage, that would be great. We are about to witness 21 people, I think at last count, go through the waters of baptism. And this is a public declaration of a decision that they have made internally. Every one of these people that are getting baptized tonight have had a revelation that there is a creator God who knows them, who loves them, who created them, and created them on purpose and for a purpose. And as a result of this revelation, they've surrendered their life to God. They've given their life to Him. And they're now about to make a public display of an inward surrender. Baptism basically represents the death to an old way of life and the resurrection of a new way of life. This is the end of the message. Thank you for taking the time to listen. And God bless.